Do you need a landscaping job tackled? Keen Landscaping is a family-owned and operated full-service landscaping company based in Dallas, Texas. Anything from property restoration and tree pruning or removal to landscape design, construction, and installation, Keen covers it all. They're also the official landscape company of the Dallas Stars. Learn more at KeenLandscaping.com. Again, that's K-E-A-N-E Landscaping.com. Welcome back. This is Parker's MMA podcast. In this week's episode, we're going to cover UFC Russia. Had a couple big fights at the top of the card. You had Zabit taking on Calvin Cater. Then we had Greg Hardy stepping in on short notice against Alexander Volkov. Those were two good fights. And then the rest of the card, you know, it was a lot of no-name, very, very talented Russian fighters. But we had some really great highlights, so we'll kind of run through those. And then in the MMA world this week, there was craziness going on. So we're going to dive into some current events break all that down. So a lot to go over. Episode number 13 this week, Parker's MMA Show. Let's go. Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host Parker Keen will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keen. All righty. Welcome back. Cold, cold day here in Dallas, Texas. Got my hot toddy, Irish coffee, and uh, ready to rock and roll. So I want to get started this week just briefly going over UFC Russia. Um, it was a you know good card overall, some really good fights. The Zabit versus Calvin Cater fight, that was the one I was most looking forward to. Yeah, so for Calvin Cater, kind of tough draw. This card, or this fight, was moved originally from Boston, which is his hometown, to Moscow, Russia, which is, you know, home home to Zabit. Zabit's from Dagestan, same place that Khabib's from. You know, overall, I thought it was a good fight. This was, to me, kind of the number one contender fight at featherweight. You know, Calvin got started a little slow. He just kind of got outpointed by Zabit the first two rounds. Zabit... You know, in the first round is unbelievable. The pace he puts on, the variability of his striking, just how talented overall he is. He's a very, very impressive fighter. The only knock on Zabit is he tends to fade later in fights. And I think he actually pulled out of the Boston fight originally because he was dealing with some sort of staph infection, I believe. So Zabit gets this done with the decision. You know, round... One, I thought Calvin was throwing the bigger shots. Zabit just did a really, really good job of keeping him at range, um, kind of keeping it kickboxing range, not letting Calvin get in close and get into boxing range where he's good, where he can really put combinations together. Yeah, he was able to kind of control the fight in the first round. In the second round, I thought Calvin started to pick up the pace a little bit. Zabit's you know, movement is just... Really, really nice. I think in the second round is when Zabit had that really nice takedown. It was kind of inside trip takedown. It's just really, really nice move. He he just does some super kind of unorthodox stuff. I thought Zabit was flowing really well, but Calvin was starting to pick it up a little bit. So after two, I really had it Zabit two to zero. The third round, Calvin really started to pick up the pace and bring bring the heat. Uh, which is what I thought he needed to do the whole fight to make this competitive. Yeah, but, I mean, in the end, 
Zapete was just able to out outclass him, really. He was just able to stay away from the danger. He did fade towards the end, and I thought that round three could have went to Calvin. This was a main event fight. Usually there are five-round fights. For whatever reason, this was only a three-round fight. So there was a little bit of controversy about that. But the bottom line is, I mean, Calvin knew that it was a three-round fight. He needs to bring it, you know, round one, two, and three and not wait till the third round to try to push the pace. So there's really no controversy there. I mean, the bottom line is they signed up for a three-round fight, not a five-round fight. Zabit did fade a lot. So I think that's the big question for his next fight. Is he ready for a Max Holloway? Is he ready for Alex Volkanovsky, whoever gets that win in December? And I guess we'll have to see. You know, he's kind of gassed in, you know, this fight for sure, kind of towards the end of the third round, he seemed to be slowing down quite a bit. Um, Jeremy Stevens' fight, he gassed a little bit. And then he had that great fight with Kyle Bokniak. So, yeah, I don't know. That, that I guess, is a big question, you know, for Zabit's next fight. We'll see. You know, Max... Max is obviously able to put an amazing pace on you, and so is Alex Volkanovsky. So that'll be interesting to see if they give him that title shot next. I think what I would like to see for him next is maybe beginning of the year him get matched up against Yair Rodriguez. I think that would be stylistically just an amazing fight. You could use that as the headliner of a fight night or something like that or add it to one of these big pay-per-views. You know, if they could put that card or that fight on the Conor McGregor card in January, I think that would be great for both of these guys. Both of these guys are super talented and they're on the rise. Uh, Yair Rodriguez, obviously, from Mexico. Zabit from Dagestan. So both of those people, you know, both of those fan bases will get behind these guys. So that's the fight I would like to see next. And that can kind of serve as the title eliminator at featherweight. Max and Alex Volkanovsky are fighting December the 14th, I believe, on that big Vegas card. So I think that would time up well, you know, maybe set up for a huge featherweight fight sometime in the spring, March, April, something like that. So that's what I would like to see next for Zabit. I, I just don't think he's ready for the pace that Max Holloway would put on him if Max can get past Alex Volkanovsky. You know, Volkanovsky, if he's able to get it done against Max, which I don't think he will, although I do think it's going to be the toughest test that Max has had so far. I just don't think he's at that level. You know, I I don't think anyone right now can beat Max Holloway at featherweight. So that's what I would like to see next is a beat versus Yair Rodriguez, you know, January. Like I said, if they could put them on that card with Conor McGregor, that would get them huge exposure and that would be awesome for the UFC and those two guys. And I think both of them really need one more fight to kind of prove themselves before they're ready for Max Holloway in that championship fight at featherweight. For Calvin Cater, you know, he's a tough guy. He's been on the rise the last couple of years. I think he'll bounce back. He's not going to fall tremendously. I think he'll fall somewhere, you know, around the top five. A fight against maybe Jeremy Stevens would make a lot of sense. Two guys that are going to get in there and bang and mix it up. So that's what I'd like to see for Calvin Cater. You know, I think he's a talented guy. He's got great boxing, great power. You've seen what he's done to people like Ricardo Lamas. You know, his last couple fights with brutal, brutal knockouts. So, um, you know, no big loss there for Calvin Cater. I think he's right there 
at featherweight. And, you know, I think he'll get another crack towards that title here in the next couple of years. If he can put a couple wins together, but him versus Jeremy Stevens to me is a great matchup. That's a no brainer for the UFC Two hard hitting guys at featherweight. I would love to see that. The co-main event was Greg Hardy versus Alexander Volkov. This was a huge step up in competition for Greg Hardy. Yeah. Um, Greg Hardy, there's been a lot of people, you know, kind of talking shit about Greg Hardy saying he's not ready for the big show and, you know, the UFC is hiding him from competition and, you know, obviously he's got a checkered past. It's, he's got the domestic abuse stuff when he was playing football. So all that's kind of been looming over Greg Hardy. This was his chance, you know, on a big stage, co-main event, Moscow, Russia against a Russian to go in there and make a statement. And he just came up a little short. You know, I, I just don't think he's at that level to be, you know, beating elite heavyweights right now. Alexander Volkov's a guy that's, he's a veteran. He's been around forever. He's got some really big wins. And this was just a really big step up in competition for Greg Hardy. On the positive side, I mean, Greg Hardy didn't get just extremely outclassed. Kind of happened the way that I predicted it last week. I thought Greg Hardy would just lose a three-round decision. Uh, and that's what happened. He just lost a three-round decision. He got outpointed by Volkov. And really, Volkov was able to just avoid, you know, Hardy's power. It actually looked like Hardy broke his hand maybe in the second round. So he wasn't able to use that big right. But he was still coming after Volkov with big, big shots, big left hooks. You know, he's a super athletic guy. I think, obviously, to be an all-pro in the NFL, you're super, super athletic. And those guys can hang around at heavyweight. You know, right now, heavyweight's pretty old. Greg Hardy is, I think, only 31, and he's only been doing this for three years, and you see how far he's came. So, you know, I think this was just a good test for Greg Hardy and some a fight he's going to take a lot out of. UFC heavyweight division, uh, Volkov, you know, for him next, I think he needs to get a top two or three guy. Um, Curtis Blades was out there, but he just got booked with JDS. We'll talk about that later. Uh, JDS was supposed to fight Volkov on this card, but got pulled due to a staff infection. He's back and taking on Curtis Blades. Um, Francis Ngannou is still out there. So, you know, um, Francis Ngannou versus Volkov will be an interesting matchup. I, I think that's kind of a step backwards for Francis. I think he's looking for a huge fight, you know, maybe a super fight with John Jones, or maybe he'll just sit and take on the winner of DC versus Stipe if they ever book that. Um, there is some back and forth about Francis versus Tyson Fury this week. So we'll see what happens at heavyweight. Um, I would think Volkov's probably going to take on the winner of JDS versus Curtis Blades. You know, I think that makes sense. So here in four or five months, those guys will, will run it back. Next for Greg Hardy, um, I would really like to see him fight Derek Lewis. I just don't think. He's on that level yet. That would be a fun fight. That would be a really fun buildup. Those guys have gone back and forth. Um, Derek Lewis has said he wants to basically ruin Greg Hardy. He doesn't think Greg Hardy belongs in the UFC. Um, you know, he's called him a woman beater, all kinds of crazy stuff. So um, that'd be a fun fight. So for Greg Hardy, I'd like to see, you know, Derek Lewis next. I think Derek Lewis would be down to take the fight. I don't think he's a guy that really gives a shit about 
rankings or getting back to the championship. I think he just wants the biggest money fights. So that would make sense for me for Greg Hardy next. Um, also, you've got Overeem taking on this Jarzinho guy. Jarzinho is a guy we talked about last week that viciously knocked out Alistair, or not Alistair Overeem, um, Andre Arlovsky, like 30 seconds into their fight last week. So two weeks ago. So um, maybe the loser of that fight gets Greg Hardy next. So, but for Greg Hardy, I mean, um, this kind of sets the bar. I mean, the UFC is not going to give him any more, you know, just cans off the street. He's going to be fighting top 10, top 15 fighters from here on out. So, I mean, it's, you're going to kind of get Greg Hardy thrown in the fire now, which is good. And I think that'll kind of expedite his training and just keep him moving forward. So be interesting to see what Greg Hardy does. Like I said, I mean, you're young in the heavyweight division, only 31. You're super athletic. You can go a long way in the heavyweight division and fight for a long time. So uh, that's what I think is next for Hardy. Um, Oh, crazy knockouts on this card. We had uh, Danny Roberts just knocking the absolute shit out of this guy. He took on this Russian guy and just put him away with a heavy left missile. I mean, unbelievable knockout in what was a pretty good fight. But, um, yeah, he spun the guy around. So, good on Danny Roberts. I can't pronounce the Russian's name. Uh, Zalim Imadev. Yeah, Danny Roberts just gets a nasty highlight reel knockout. Um, there was another knockout on here. Magomed, I can't say his last name, but he had a Leota Machida, Anderson Silva-esque front front kick knockout. Um, filthy. So the, those two highlights, um, those were awesome. I think this, this might have been on the prelims, but, uh, oh, man, hits him with a vicious, vicious front kick and then finishes him with a right when he's out. So those two highlights are worth checking out from the UFC Russia card. Um, also you had McGregor going back and forth. Of course, anytime there's a fight, you're going to get McGregor chiming in, giving his two cents about the fight. So Khabib Nurmagomedov's cousin, let's see. His name is Abdubarkar Nurmagomedov, who's uh, Khabib's cousin. You had Khabib in the corner. And he gets submitted, and then Conor McGregor goes off on one of his Twitter benders. He goes, ha, 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 shite bags. He tapped his forehead. If you can tap his forehead, you can punch his forehead. He quit. One quitter exposed. Nurma McTap tap. Forever a failure. Console him, and then tell him he's cut. And then he went and deleted all the tweets like Conor does. So, Conor... Khabib still at it, you know, almost a year after they fought. Connor just trying to stay in the headlight, in the, you know, in the headlight, just being Connor. Connor being Connor. Um, I don't think Khabib responded. Why would he? You know, he's at the top of the world right now. Connor's trying to get back in. So that was a highlight from UFC uh, Russia as well. Connor McGregor inserting himself like he always does. All right, so that's pretty much it. Overall, um, pretty good card. You know, what can I say? Um, midday card in Russia, you had some really good highlights. Obviously, the biggest winners of this card, 
know, probably Alexander Volkov, um, Zabit. Both of those guys are going to be set up for really big fights next. So that was it for UFC Russia. Um, next, I want to dive into a couple upcoming fights that got booked, and then we'll get into main event, our current events. Um, current events this week were crazy. You had a lot, lot going on. You had Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz uh, going back and forth, Jorge Masvidal jumping in the mix. We had Gilbert Melendez gets released from the UFC. Um, Israel Adesanya goes on Rogan, calls out Yoel Romero. So Stipe, Tyson Fury going back and forth. So a lot to dive into there. But um, let's run through this week's card. Um, This week we've got a decent card going down Saturday. It is a ESPN fight. I think it's a fight night card. Um, It is going down in Brazil. You've got Jan Blahovich taking on Jacare Souza. Uh, Jacare is making his move up to light heavyweight. So that'll be interesting. And obviously, uh, Jan Blahovich, we talked about a couple, you know, a month or so ago, uh, had that huge knockout against Luke Rockhold, where he, I think he broke Luke Rockhold's jaw and really, really um, just a really disheartening loss for Luke Rockhold on his debut. Um, Chris Weidman. Had the move up from middleweight. He got knocked out viciously. So Jacare is the third guy to move up from welterweight. You know, one of those just guys that have sorry moving up from middleweight. He's one of those guys that have just you know been around the top five of middleweight the last you know five to ten years. Um, the first two failed, and Jacare is the third. So you know Jacare is a, a tough fighter, amazing at jiu-jitsu. Um, this will be an interesting matchup. You know, Jan Blahovich, he's wanting to make a statement that he's the next for that light heavyweight title fight against John Jones. So all these guys right now are chasing John Jones. It's I think it's really just up to who who's gonna come out and make the biggest statement and get John Jones' attention. That's the bottom line. So um big fight at light heavyweight. They've got Jacare at number eight, Jan Blahovich at number six. Um some decent fights on this card. Um, Mauricio Hua, number 14 at light heavyweight still, taking on Paul Craig. Um, that'd be a good fight. Paul Craig's a you know, jiu-jitsu guy. Mauricio Hua, great striker. Been around forever. Um, Charles Cowboy Oliveira taking on Jared Flash Gordon. Cowboy Oliveira, I believe, has the most submissions in UFC history, and he's just been smashing people. He's number 13, and he gets... Jared Gordon, who had, you know, a little bit of hype behind him a couple fights ago, and I, I think he's been on a little bit of a skid. So that should be a good good fight at lightweight. But um, Charles Oliveira, I think he's ready to make a move up to some some tougher competition. Um, he's just been on a roll. He's been submitting everyone, finishing fights, you know, in the first round. So, um, yeah, I think it's past Jared Gordon here. I'd like to see him get – you know, someone in the top five to 10. Uh, besides that, you know, some decent, decent cards. Um, Saturday night going down in Brazil. That's the UFC card this week. Um, next week we'll dive into, they have another fight what, fight night next weekend. So we'll, we'll check back in on that next week. Um, also going down. Oh, fuck yes. We've got Bare Knuckle FC. Um, Artem Lovov versus Jason 
Hick Diaz Knight. This is a rematch. Uh, Hick Diaz, one of the best nicknames in the game. Um, these two absolutely went to war last time they fought. So this would be pretty interesting. I think this is like the ninth or tenth bare knuckle event. Um, Artem Lovov is kind of becoming the man over a bare knuckle. He had that decision win against Jason Knight, which was an absolute just battle, bloodbath. And then he took on, you know, a great boxer in Pauli Malignaggi and got a decision win there. So Artem's looking really good over in bare knuckle boxing. Maybe he's found his calling in bare knuckle. So, yeah, I, I'll tune into this. I actually like watching uh, bare knuckle. I think it's a lot of action, you know, fun to watch. Um, I'll tune into that, but that is Saturday night as well. That's going down in Mississippi, one of the only crazy states that will allow bare knuckle fighting right now. I feel like it's either Mississippi or North Dakota or somewhere obscure, Florida, fairground, but uh, bare knuckle boxing going down this weekend. They don't have the card available. I don't know what the hell the deal is with that, but that's the fights this weekend. So I'll probably tune into the main event on the UFC card and then switch over to bare knuckle. And hopefully that'll be a great fight. Last time was a great fight. I mean, it was back and forth, bloodbath, cuts all over the place. If you haven't seen that fight, go back and watch um, Jason Knight versus Artem Lovov one. I think that was like the second, maybe the second or third bare knuckle event. Um, but great fight. A lot of action, crazy craziness. Alrighty, so let's get back into some current events here. First, I want to jump into the whole Nick Diaz situation, Nick Diaz's interview with Ariel Hawani. Um, I, I'm kind of torn about it. Um, Nick Diaz is one of my favorite fighters of all time. Um, you know, I just love watching that guy fight. Um, him and his brother, they're both just so real on the microphone when they talk. Um, that's why they have, you know, a cult-like following. So Nate obviously lost a couple weeks ago to Jorge Masvidal. Um, he's been kind of wishy-washy, you know, back and forth on if he's going to retire, if he's not going to retire, if he wants a rematch, you know, what he wants. And, you know, then out of nowhere, Ariel Hawani announces that, he's going to have Nick Diaz on his show and, you know, kind of breaks MMA internet. Um, you know, Nick Diaz been out for probably four or five years with honestly kind of that bullshit suspension that I, I don't know all the details in and out, but the, the bottom line is, you know, they, he popped for marijuana, I think on his last fight with Anderson Silva and he's just been out since then. I, and I think he's actually cleared to come back and fight this year sometime. Um, but he's he's really been quiet. You know, Nate was out for three years after the Conor McGregor fight. So for the last four or five years, you haven't heard a lot from the Diaz brothers, you know, besides lately. Nate made his comeback against Anthony Pettis, and then he got the huge fight with the bad motherfucker belt against George Mazadov and... You know, you see Nick at the fight. He walks Nate out. And like I said, you know, a couple weeks ago, that was great to see Nick just back around UFC events. Um, and then I start to hear, you know, chatter about, hey, Nick Diaz is maybe going to make a comeback. And then Ariel books him on his show. 
So they had about a 50-minute interview. Um, to me, it was it was kind of typical Diaz brother interview, but it was a little more sloppy. Um, you know, a lot of people are kind of suggesting that, you know, maybe he's got some CTE issues, head trauma he's dealing with. Maybe he was fucked up. Maybe he was stoned. Maybe he was drunk. I don't know. It was, it was a weird interview. Um, you know, you took a couple talking points from there, but a lot of it was just him kind of babbling and ranting and going on and on about, you know, issues with the UFC that have been going on for 10, 15 years. Um, so I didn't really know what to make of it. Um, you know, Ariel Hawani, I thought, did a really good job of interviewing him. The Diaz brothers are super hard to interview. Literally, you ask them one question, and then they just ramble and ramble and ramble about who knows what. And they usually come back around and make some sort of point. Um, But for Nick, this was not like his previous interviews. If you go back and listen to old interviews or him, you know, talking after fights, he's usually enunciates better. He's clear. He has a message. He has something to say. This is just a weird, weird interview. I I didn't really know what to make of it. Um, You know, he did come out and say that he is, you know, really proud of his brother, Nate, um, for what he's been able to do the last couple of years. Obviously Nate went from being, you know, Nick's little brother kind of in the shadows to really a super mega star after the Conor McGregor fights. So, you know, you got that out of him, which was kind of cool to see him kind of, you know, letting you know how he feels about his little brother. Um, And then he just kind of skated around if he was going to fight again. Um, You know, he suggested that he wants to come back and fight George Masvidal, that the bad motherfucker belt is really his belt not his brother's belt or not George Masvidal's belt. Um, but he never really committed to it. He he said, you know, basically, you're not going to talk about my brother, baptizing my brother. That's that's my little brother. I'm the real bad motherfucker. So that, he kind of said that, and then he kind of said, you know, I, I don't know if I want to fight. Absolutely, I don't want to fight. And then on and on. And then he gets back to you know, hey, the UFC should book me in Cowboy Stadium. Um, so you, you really don't know what's what's going on in Nick's head. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I was really confused. I watched the, the interview twice and then, you know, watched some of the highlights. And I, I think he, A, I think he needs to get checked out and make sure he's good. Um Nick's been around forever. He was kind of a pioneer of the sports. He's taken a lot of damage. He's gone to war a lot of times. Um, you know, Robbie Lawler fight, BJ Penn fight, um, Anderson Silva, GSP. I mean, he's fought everyone and his style. I mean, he gets hit a little bit and the Diaz is, I mean, they're known to, to be able to wear damage, but that adds up. You know, they're, they're getting older. Nick's 37 now. Nate's, I think, just turning 35. So 
these are guys that have been doing this since they were, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. They've been at it for 15 to 17 years. So I, I think that wears on you a little bit, especially when you have the fighting style that the Diaz brothers do. And, you know, they're fan favorites for a reason. They get in there, they scrap, they take damage, they give it back. And a lot of the times they're able to overcome their opponents with just crazy pressure, crazy cardio. So I, I don't know what to make of it. Um, you know, I would like to see Nick come back to fight if he's healthy. Um, the last thing I want to see is Nick Diaz make a comeback. He's not healthy. His mind's not right. And he gets viciously knocked out by George Moskov. <laughs> I would not like to see that. But if Nick's mind's right and he's able to fight, you know, physically and mentally, um, there's a lot of big fights for him and Nate over the next couple of years. And if those two could get back together, you know, for the last three or four years of their career, it'd be awesome. Like I said last week, I mean, the UFC is just so much better with the Diaz brothers. I mean, the Diaz brothers, their fights sell themselves. And I would really like to see them both back in action over the next couple of years. Um, the UFC, for whatever reason, has just not been able to play ball with the Diaz brothers, uh, especially Nick. But, you know, they've had a lot of issues with Nick. He fought outside of the UFC for a couple of years. He went to Pride and Dream and Elite XC. You know, after his first stint in the UFC, he had a kind of a middle period where he went and fought all over the world. And then he came back to the UFC for those big fights with GSP and Anderson Silva. But, um, you know, I would like to see them just kind of hash out their differences and really maximize the Diaz brothers for the next three years. Cause they're great, great TV. They're great for the sport. Um, and they're really just guys that have been around forever. They've been in the trenches. They've done it all. So yeah, I hope they can work it out. Um, I didn't take a lot from that interview though. It was just kind of a lot of back and forth, just kind of babbling and rattling and Ariel couldn't really get in any solid questions because Nick, would get asked a question and just rant for 15 or 20 minutes. So it was a little alarming, but I guess we'll see probably here in the next couple months. Um, if Nick's serious about fighting, you know, I don't see why the UFC wouldn't move on and book him a fight and get him back in there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, kind of a weird interview. Um, I thought it was even weirder how ESPN, ESPN mostly, not, you know, some of these other, MMA, like MMA Junkie or Sure Dog, you didn't really see them posting headlines about this, but ESPN just kind of did the ESPN thing and just ran with, you know, like four or five different sentences that Nick Diaz said in a 50 minute interview. And just kind of, they kind of painted a different picture than the actual interview, I thought. They kind of made it seem like, hey, he's coming after George Masvidal and George Masvidal, don't pick on my little brother. And he wants vengeance for his little brother. But I didn't really get that feeling. I got the feeling that Nick was kind of on the fence about actually making a comeback, actually coming back to fight. So I didn't really like that ESPN painted that picture because that wasn't really what, what Nick was saying. Um, I didn't think. But anyway... So that was the, the Diaz interview. And then, um, you know, obviously George Masvidal had some, had some firing back to do. 
yeah, I think his his manager put out a uh, a Scarface meme here. I'm gonna watch it. He <laughs> put out put out a uh, video of George dressed up as Tony Montana saying "Fuck the Diaz brothers." So I thought that was that was kind of cool. But um, you know, you had George was on ESPN, kind of saying, basically, kind of egging on Nick. So I don't know. That would be a big fight if that all works out and and they could sell that fight. But I. I don't know. I, I think that's a tall task for Nick. Even even Nick Diaz. I mean, he's been out five years to come back against George Masvidal after the year he had in 2019. I think's a little crazy, but you never know. It's a UFC. They do some crazy shit to make money. So we'll see. Um, all right. Another member of the Diaz Army. You had former two-time title contender Gilbert Melendez, uh, former Strike Force. Champion Gilbert Melendez um, was cut from the UFC. Um, you know, Gilbert Gilbert Melendez was just one of those guys. He's he's been around forever. He had a lot of success, um, you know, mostly out of the UFC, but he had some good fights. You know, in the UFC, you look at his record. So yeah, he was a former Strike Force champion. Strike Force got bought out by the UFC eventually, but. He had some great fights. Josh Thompson, he beat Josh Thompson uh, to win the Strike Force title. He defended it. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five times. He actually beat George Mosvidov uh, back in 2011 by unanimous decision. Um, and then he made the move to the UFC, fought for a title there, lost to Benson Henderson. And then he had a couple fight of the nights. You know, he had a fight of the night um, in Houston against Diego Sanchez. That was an unbelievable fight back at UFC 166 back in 2013. And then since then, he was on a five-fight losing streak. Um, you know, no no shame on him. I mean, he fought for the title again against Showtime Pettis, lost. And then after that, he lost a split decision to Eddie Alvarez, a split decision to Edson Barbosa, and then a unanimous decision to Jeremy Stevens. And then most recently at UFC 239 in July, he lost a unanimous decision to Arnold Allen. So um, great career for for Gilbert Melendez. Um, great fighter. You know, he got a lot done. And he's just a super tough guy, fan favorite guy that was going to go in there and brawl. So, a couple, a couple records in most championship bouts in Strike Force history: ten. It's pretty amazing. Um, six consecutive title defenses, most wins in Strike Force history with eleven. Most strikes landed in Strike Force: seven hundred forty-nine. He got fight of the night twice: Diego Sanchez, Jeremy Stevens. Um, WEC championship. I forgot about that. It's a one, one time WEC championship. So, uh, great fighter all around. Gil Melendez. Um, I always like going back and watching his old fights. He was just a guy that brought it every single time. Um, in particular, his fight with Diego Sanchez. That's one of my favorite fights to, to watch. Um, also because I'm a huge Diego Sanchez fan. But that was those two guys in their prime and they just got in there and absolutely got after it. So, um, 
great career for Gil Melendez. He's set up now. I think he's doing some commentary with ESPN. Um, I've seen him do kind of breakdown stuff with Dominic Cruz. So he he's set up. He's you know he'll he'll do well. Um, great career for him though. Um, next we had Israel Adesanya. Um, he was on Joe Rogan. Had a great interview on Joe Rogan. I definitely recommend people to go check that out. Obviously, Israel Adesanya is just been on a terror since coming to the UFC. He's undefeated. Um, basically, it's like sixteen or eighteen months. I think he went six and zero and set up that fight with Rob Whitaker, where he viciously knocked out Rob Whitaker in the second round, uh, dropped him in the first, knocked him out in the second. Uh, Rob Whitaker, to me, is one of the scariest fighters on the roster, and Israel made it look just easy, honestly. So, um, yeah, he was scheduled, or everyone kind of thought he was going to be fighting Paulo Costa next. Paulo Costa apparently got an injury, injury or maybe substance abuse, steroids. I, I don't know what's going on, um, but he's out. So Israel's calling out what I think is the hardest fight in the middleweight division, um, Yoel Romero. Yoel Romero is a guy that I don't think anyone wants to fight, period. And Israel Adesanya is calling him out. So that just shows you what kind of champion Israel Adesanya is. Um, He was on Rogan, basically said he wants to be everything that Anderson Silva was. He wants to, you know, defend that title, become the king of middleweight. And then after that, he'll go up and take the big money fights. John Jones, you know, people like that. Um, So, yeah, Israel Adesanya, I think if he can, you know, get a couple more title defenses, um, he's going to become a huge, huge star in the UFC. And he's he's got the potential to be, you know, one of the biggest African stars ever. He's Nigerian. Um, If you can get the African continent behind you. Um, you're going to be a huge megastar. And obviously he's got ties to New Zealand as well. That's where he lives and trains. Um, but yeah, Israel Adesanya, I mean, he's great, great on the mic, very entertaining, very unique. His walkout before the Robert Whitaker fight was one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen. And he says all the right things. He says he's learned from everyone. He's learned from GSP. He's learned from Connor. He's learned from Anderson Silva. He's learned from John Jones. And he wants to be the best version of all those people. And I think he's got the skill, the ability, everything to do that. So it'll be really interesting to see what the next couple of years brings for Israel Adesanya. But um, if you want to check out his interview on Joe Rogan, it's like two hours, but it was really good. Um, Seems like a really just down-to-earth dude and an incredible fighter. Next, Stipe and Tyson Fury uh, going back and forth. Um, so Stipe, well, last week we talked about Tyson Fury came out with that video of him training with Darren Till, um, basically saying that when he's done with Deontay Wilder, he wants to come to MMA and make a splash in the heavyweight division. Um, I would absolutely love that. Tyson Fury is one of my favorite fighters, boxing and MMA. There's no one like Tyson Fury. He is just an entertaining fighter. Every one of his fights are awesome. He's great on the mic. He gets on the mic and sings after every fight. He's great in the buildup. Um, he's got a great story. Obviously, the last couple of years overcame a pretty serious depression um, where he got up to like 400 and something pounds, cut back down, got healthy, got back to it. 
and he's a lineal heavyweight champion in the world right now. So um, great story. Tyson Fury, I think they'll make a movie about him one day. Just a very entertaining character. Um, I would love to see him cross over into MMA, but him and Stipe, Stipe is a heavyweight champion of the world, have been going back and forth here the last week or so. Um, you know, both of them said that they'll welcome the other to their sport. Also that they would go fight each other in, you know, MMA or boxing. So yeah, this week Tyson basically came out and said, Hey, once I'm done with dismantling Deontay Wilder, I would love to fight Stipe in a boxing match. And then he had kind of hinted that he would return the favor. Um, so, you know, we had Stipe, Francis Ngannou, and Tyson Fury, the three of them really kind of going back and forth this week saying that, you know, they'll come fight one of them. Like Francis would come fight Tyson in boxing and then he would like a rematch in MMA. So if they could get that going between those three, I think that'd be really, really interesting. Obviously, Francis Ngannou is, you know, pretty much the Deontay Wilder of the MMA world. He's just got crazy powers, been knocking everyone out. Really, his only loss is to Stipe in a fight that Stipe was able to just weather the early storm, take him down and just wrestle him to death for four rounds and, and really beat him up. Um, and that was really the first person to expose Francis Ngannou. Besides that, I mean, he's pretty much been bulletproof. He's been knocking out legends. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with those three. Um, Tyson Fury's dad, I saw on Twitter. I'll play the little clip of him. The character, you know, the sky's his limits. You know, embark on any journey. You know, and Tyson, in his own mind, wants to conquer it all. In his mind, he's already beaten him. February the 22nd is just unfinished business to get the right results when it's needed. But he's going to go down the wrestling route. He'll probably do that. He'll probably go into the UFC. He enjoys it. He looked a beast through the night on them pads with Darren Till. Darren Till's an exciting fighter. You know, it's all new, new grouping stuff, isn't it? For the paying public to watch and enjoy. And Tyson's the man to do it because he is a phenomenal character. And he is the best heavyweight in the world by far. Daniel Dubois, who'd been, who'd been a new kid on the block. All the time Tyson's around, I'm going to be a man to beat him, especially if he's on So Tyson Fury's dad, John Fury, who looks almost identical to Tyson, um, came out saying that earlier this week. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, obviously, he's got a huge fight against Deontay Wilder coming up in February. I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be just an awesome boxing match. But his, his training with um, Darren Till looked pretty legit. He was throwing some nasty elbows, and obviously his boxing is phenomenal. Um, for how big he is, he's, I think he's like 6'7 or 6'8. He moves, you know, like Lomachenko. He's just, his movement is crazy. His boxing fundamentals are awesome. Um, so it'd be interesting, at least, to see how that would transition to, to MMA. And then obviously, He's getting into wrestling as well, the theatrics. I mean, he, he can sell a fight. So, yeah, I'd really like to see that. Um, I'll talk about it later, but my dream matchup would be Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou in MMA on a Conor McGregor card. You know, somewhere in Europe, even with Darren Till on that, I mean, that could sell, sell out a stadium. That would be one of the biggest cards ever. Um, so that would be interesting to see how that goes. All right, um, next... 
I want to cover the um, Rose Nami Yunus interview. That was interesting. I watched that today. Um, but she said she'll be back to fighting this year. Um, obviously, there was a lot of, you know, just uncertainty if she would make a return after that vicious, vicious slam knockout she had against um, Jessica Andrade back in May, I believe. So we're probably about six months since Rose has fought, and she's been super quiet. There, there hasn't been a lot of noise from Rose. Um, but she went on with Ariel this week and, you know, talked for the first time in, in months, really, and just said that she's kind of found herself. She's, she's getting back to where she was before that Brazil fight. Obviously, she was, you know, she came through the ranks at at 115 at the strawweight division and she had those just unbelievable fights with Joanna who at the time you know back in 2017 or so Joanna was just the queen of strawweight she was dominating everyone and Rose had that unbelievable fight back in I think it was UFC 217 in 2017 I was actually there that was at Madison Square Garden and she knocked Joanna out in the first round and that just I mean shook up the world. That was unbelievable. And Rose became a huge star after that. Um she came back and fought Joanna again that next year. It was about a year April of the next year in Brooklyn and won a unanimous decision. So I mean Rose went from you know rising up the ranks really, really quickly to getting just you know, the, the queen at the time of Strawweight and just dominating her really back-to-back time. So I, I think, you know, she was just super, super confident. And then after that, she said that the fire just kind of stopped burning. She kind of got to the top, became champion, and had done everything that she wanted to do. And it just, fighting kind of got stale for her, and she, you know, just kind of lost the passion. Um and then she has that fight against Jessica Andrade in Brazil. She's the champion. She goes down and fights a Brazilian in Brazil last May. And in the first round, just looked spectacular. I mean, she just was outclassing Jessica Andrade. She looked unbelievable. Her movement, her striking looked super fluid. And then the second round, um, Jessica Andrade cl- clinches with her, picks her up. And Rose kind of gets stuck in a weird spot and gets slammed on her head and knocked out unconscious and loses her belt. Um, and then since then, it's just kind of gone radio silent. No one's heard from her. Um, she's been out of the limelight. And a lot of people, I think, speculated that she would retire and be done with fighting. But, um, yeah, she came back on Ariel this week. She said that she had basically faced a lot of her demons. Um and she's back. She wants to fight sometime early next year. I guess she reconnected with the coach, one of her first coaches, and kind of worked through a lot of the issues. And I think she's back. So that's really good news for the UFC. Um, Rose is a superstar, even though she probably doesn't want to be a superstar. Um, she's just super real, um, always tells you how she feels. She's beautiful girl with a shaved head and uh, super marketable. You know, she's just a great, great fighter and she's an unbelievable fighter. So really interested to see her back. She said her goal is to be done fighting by the time she's 30. 
I think she's in her mid 20s. She's 27 years old. So, you know, three, four more years of fighting out of Rose would be awesome. But she says she's ready mentally, physically to take a fight and make a comeback. I think, you know, she gets one, if she can get one win, she's right there to take on Weiling Zhang or Yoana. Um, a third fight, obviously, with Yoana would be massive if Yoana can get in there and beat Weiling Zhang and get the title back. So I don't know. I'm really excited to see Rose make her return, but that was refreshing to hear that she's going to be back. Um, yeah. Uh, other updates. I, I listened to Ariel's interview with Woodley. Um, Woodley obviously got really dominated by Usman and lost his title last year. Um, he says he's back mentally, physically ready to go. Um, there's been a lot of talk about him getting matched up against Leon Edwards. That'd be a pretty interesting fight. Uh, Leon Edwards has been on absolute terror. Uh, that's a hard fight to come back to for Woodley, but you know, I think Woodley's still elite. I, I honestly think he just had an off night against Usman and I think he's been itching to get back in there, but apparently he's been training in Thailand. He said his weight's really good right now. His goal is to still be the greatest welterweight of all time. And I mean, he's still got time. So he said, you know, he wants to get that welterweight strap back, defend the title a couple times, take a fight at 170 with Khabib and then take a super fight with Israel Adesanya and get two wins and be the greatest welterweight and maybe one of the best fighters of all time. Um, I mean, not unrealistic, doable, but I mean, it's going to be tough to get a win against, you know, um, Colby or Usman. Both of those guys I think are great. Him and Masvidal are teammates, so they're not going to fight. But um, yeah, so Woodley's back looking for a fight in January. Hopefully on that Conor McGregor card. Um, fights announced today, actually. We had three relatively big fights announced today. We had Frankie Edgar making his bantamweight debut against Corey Sanhagen. Um, we talked about Corey Sanhagen on here. Corey Sanhagen's been on an absolute roll. He looks unbelievable. Young guy in his early 20s, um, just skyrocketing up the ranks at bantamweight. But he's going to get a really, really big test against Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar is a veteran who's been around forever. This is going to be the first time fighting down at 135, um, which is, you know, probably his natural weight or, you know, the weight class he should be fighting in. He's going to be the eighth fighter to fight in three different weight classes. He's fought up at um, 145 and 155, and then he'll be making his debut at 135. So, Interesting fight. That is not sure on the date on that, but yeah, that'd be a good fight. Um, Sanhagen's coming off, you know, big wins against John, John Lineker and then a Sun Tzu. Um, You know, Frankie Edgar's only lost to the elite of the elite fighters at all those weight classes. So a uh, big test for Sanhagen, big chance for Frankie to make a, you know, late in his career run if he can get a win against Sanhagen. So bantamweight's going to be on the move here shortly. Uh, we talked about last week. You've got Uriah Faber fighting Peter Yan. That's on the December fourteenth card, and then you've also got Jose Aldo taking on uh, Marlon Marias. That's on the same card as well. So bantamweight's going to start picking up here pretty soon. So good for bantamweight. Um, Macy Barber making her return against Roxana 
Can't ever say her last name. Modifieri. Um, big test. Roxana Modifieri is a vet. She's got like almost 40 MMA fights. Um, Macy Barber, rising star, 21 years old, taking on Modifieri, who's 37. So, uh, big test for Macy Barber. This is going to be on the January 18th card. Uh, allegedly, the card Conor McGregor is going to make his return on. So, big opportunity for Macy Barber here to keep that role going. She's 8-0 overall, 3-0 in the UFC with a lot of finishes. Um, this is a girl we've talked about you know, a couple times before on this program. But um, super, super talented. She's got a lot of potential. So it'll be very interesting to see, you know, how she starts to put it all together and if she can get another win. If she can get another win, I think she's, you know, probably one or two more fights away from a title shot. And I think she's going to be a really big star. So she's taking on Roxana Montefiore. Um, Also announced today, JDS versus Curtis Blades. So this is going to be number three, Curtis Blades, taking on the fourth ranked heavyweight in JDS. JDS, obviously, um, we talked about earlier, was pulled from that fight card against Alex Volkov, and Greg Hardy stepped in, um, but he's recovered, ready to roll, and he's set to take on Curtis Blades on January 25th. That's going to headline the North Carolina card. This is going to be the same night that uh, Cyborg makes her debut against Julia Budd. So, uh, big night. That'll be a big night of fights. But that's a pretty important fight in the heavyweight division. You know, that that's going to really get things moving. That's the number three and the number four taking a fight. I think the winner here maybe gets Francis Ngannou. So, uh, big fight in the heavyweight division. You know, Curtis Blades has been an absolute role in the UFC. He's got wins over Overeem, Mark Hunt, Alexi Olenek. It's really his only two losses are to Francis. He got knocked out viciously. Um, I think it was like UFC Shanghai or somewhere in China. I remember watching it. It was like six in the morning or something. And then um, he lost an early decision or a decision earlier in both of their careers against Francis. So that's really his only two losses. And he's just kind of been steamrolling people. Uh, JDS, obviously. Uh, legend, former champion, been around forever. Um, he's coming off his most recent fight was a TKO to Francis. He got knocked out. Uh, before that, he looked really good. He knocked out the Black Beast, um, who's you know a top five fighter at heavyweight. And then before that, he knocked out um, Bam Bam Tai Tulavasa, who is one of my favorite heavyweights. You know, an up and coming heavyweight young guy with a lot of power, a lot of potential. So. JDS still doing it. Uh, Great fight at heavyweight. So that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, Got a lot going on. I'm going to try to get video going probably next week. And I'm going to clean up the production quite a bit. So uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in. This is episode 13 of Parker's MMA show. Covered a lot this week. And I'm sure there will be a lot next week. So I'll be back next week to talk about the bare knuckle boxing fights as well as the card this week. And then we're going to start looking forward to that big card in December. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. That's a huge card on the 15th. But anyway, signing off again for another episode. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Continue to share. Get the word out. If you enjoy this, I really appreciate it. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA Show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and visit ParkerKeen'sMMAShow.Podbean.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes.